Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, everybody. This is a podcast about craft beer and film, and my name is Max Minardi. Wait, this is a podcast? About craft beer and you film. You invited me over for a beer. Well, you start recording me. Another. I did not sign a waiver. I had my human rights violation. Why are you talking about our origin story? Two and a half years ago, that is exactly what happened. I invited you over for a beer. You don't admit to any crimes. Well, not the human rights part, but... podcast. Sure. Okay. Sir. I don't think it's as in, in dem, condemnable. I'll press charges. That doesn't matter. You could somebody could be impersonating you. The statue of statue the statue the statue of limitations. <laughs> statue of libertations. Yeah, man, it still applies. Okay, before we get too far, that's into Johnny this. Summers. Yeah, that's me. Hi okay. guys, uh, I'm here against my will. Please send help <laughs> uh, immediately. I don't know where I am. We do this podcast every week, everybody, and uh, so far I've actually not had to restrain you here, which I'm very glad for because you're my favorite person to sit down. Every single week and talk about two craft beers and one movie in which we don't spoil the movie till the end of our show in a segment called The Danger Zone. Folks, we're not in The Danger Zone now, so you're, if you haven't seen The Dead Don't Die, you don't have to worry about spoilers till the very end of our show. The, na- the name kind of is a spoiler, though. There's, it, a, there's a bit it's, in there. It's a if bit you, of a spoiler. If you put those pieces together, you know a little bit about the movie you already. You have half a brain. Sure. Or a dead brain. Yeah. All right. We're there. So you can't find me because I'm in Max's basement, but you can find us on social media at yeah. Fresh Hop Cinema, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, and Letterboxd for beer and movie reviews, respectively. Love also, it. the most important website you will ever visit is FreshHopCinema.com, manufactured by one and only Max Minardi. It is our online home for all things this podcast. Yeah, in case you're sitting at home like, man... I'm loving this episode. I love the last episode, but I would really love to know what movie they're going to be talking about next week. You can do that at freshopcinema.com, guys. We have a schedule of our upcoming movies. We have old beer and movie reviews. Not that the movies and the beers are old. They're just old for us because we have Sometimes done Sometimes the they're old when Max goes shopping. That is true. Check out episodes. What do you think? 120 through no, maybe like 116 through like 124. I don't know. Those whole two Just months. Discover them organically. Just, yeah, sure. Listen to all of our episodes. Um, any other things to talk about? If you guys want to support our show financially, you can find us on Patreon, which is a way to support our creations for as little as a dollar per creation. So we usually put out like four-ish podcasts a month. You can spend $4 a month, help us out, and get access to bonus content, uh, special invites to events, and all sorts of stuff in between. And the feel-good party of the summer. That's true. That's going to be a good time. That's, I mean, unless you like traveling, that's going to be here in Chico, California, which is where we're based out of. Um, and with that, I think we've said all the things we need to say. Yeah, I think we're there, man. Let's okay. uh, let's get me out of here. Can someone sure. please send help? <laughs> so I don't think I've opened a beer on, on the audio tape for a while. Oh, uh, it's usually you as I try to take a nice pause in my sentence. But uh, we are going to kick off this episode with our first beer. And it's a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a rare beer, at least for me. This is a level seven rare beer. Yeah, it's called Very, Very Green. And it's from Treehouse Brewing. And hopefully it's very good. Hopefully. They're out of Monson, Massachusetts, guys. It's their double imperial version, the double IPA, their imperial version of their IPA of green. It's seven, excuse me, it's 8.3%. Why does it say seven five? Johnny, because I was mistaken. Oh, I didn't shit. realize how good we had it. I thought we just had the regular green. Turns out we got very green. And I want to say right away, this was donated to our show by a friend of the show, Miyagi. So thank you so much. I am very excited because when you gave it to me, I was like, 
I just see green. I was like, I've had it, but it's really good. And now I'm like, it's probably really good. And I've never even had it. Friend of the show and Patreon supporter, if you, I'm not mistaken. You are not. Yeah, they're just the best just people, aren't they? It's scientifically proven they're yeah. just better human beings. So here's the thing, man. Have you had green? Their single IPA. Weed or beer? Beer. Money. Cheddar. Ooh. No, they're they're beer. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure you have. Didn't we drink it together? At this point, I don't know. I don't either. But have you had very green? I think maybe. I don't know. Okay. Well, I I'm like for for uh, the purpose of this review, I'm going to say no. And also, I didn't sure. split that evenly in half, so don't pour the rest of that. Sorry, buddy. I took, I took most of it. You you can have the, uh, the dregs. Cretan. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of talk to you guys what I'm looking at here while Johnny looks up the proper definition and description of what this beer is unless it's on the can which it might be i don't know i can't clearly see details ever very green is a double ipa that clocks in at 8.3 percent alcohol by volume brewed in massachusetts by treehouse brewing company okay that's literally everything we've already said <laughs> but not the abv i said 8.3 i started with 7.5 you're like why does it say seven? Oh, yeah. yeah you didn't say it in such a pretty format that's a good point yeah Clean that up, dog. All right, Johnny, Google this on your your little computer there. My electronicals. And I'm going to read what I wrote down for when I thought it was green, their single IPA, and I, I'm going to guess that it's pretty close. So green is made with Australian and American hops. Tropical heavy IPA opens up in the glass with notes of hugely flavorful notes of lemon lime, pineapple, orange sorbet, and tangerine. It has a soft but pointed bitterness and a rich velvety mouthfeel. I'm going to guess that this beer is all of those things but turned up to 11 I'm going to go ahead and say there's going to be a little bit more juiciness, a little bit less hoppiness, and probably more tropical notes than in the single version. I would like to assume that there's going to be a defined presence of hops because it is a double. See, I was hoping that too because that's, I mean, even um, with a lot of the ones we've done in the past, that is the case. The hops usually go front and center when it's a double. But just looking at this baby, I mean, this is the the juiciest, juicy looking beer I've seen in many a moon. It's, I mean, it's it's golden orange maybe if you hold it up to the light real thick looking it's got a nice head retention looks super thick wow that looks like uh campbell's chicken noodle soup mix. yeah just look like, like just chicken stock here everybody so it's got the potential probably don't of say being chicken stock chicken while i'm stock. drinking beer Sorry. <laughs> come on man never had a good cold cup of chicken stock actually i have yeah i don't mind it what do you have for me on your phone all right, so Very Green is one of their sometimes offerings, meaning that they, they make it occasionally and you're in massive amounts of luck if it's available. This classic treehouse double IPA is created with a massive kettle and dry hop punch of Australian and American hops. So far so good. It opens in the glass with huge notes of ripe pineapple, pithy citrus, and dank saturated hops. As it warms, it shows its depth and complexity. Sweet bits of malt intermingle with straight Tropicana. It has a soft but pointed bitterness and a rich, velvety mouthfeel. She drinks much like green, but with more of everything to love, including a greater potential to get carried away. Fair enough. Proceed with caution. I feel really good about my prediction. That is one of the <laughs> most eloquently typed beer descriptions from a, a brewery website I think we've ever read. Um, it's nice. It yeah. was like, stitch that on a pillow. Sure. That ish is poetic, dog. <laughs> so what do you think? Are you getting all those things? Are you I getting am. the Tropicana? I'm wondering, um, you know how when you when you get sometimes a really hazy beer, you get some of that bitterness and um, pithiness at the end, yeah. Like some of the stuff that settles. I get it right up front. I do too, and I th I think because we both like we both kind of caught the end of the can here. Um, part of me wishes I would have poured a little bit more carefully to get mostly the not bottom of the barrel stuff. 
I don't think it's necessarily like that with Treehouse. Their their beers are not usually like junk floating on the bottom. Well, be that as it may, there is a flavor that I'm getting that I attribute to that sort of experience. Um, and I've only had one sip, so I don't want to stand by that definitively. But off the bat, um, I do get a lot of tropical notes. There is a like almost a creaminess to this, um, a, a weight to the mouthfeel that that is not from any type of lactose. But uh, at least we hope. Sure, oh, <laughs> you God. just keel over. Ugh. But I, no, I think it's really good. I also want to point out that the can that we have was uh, canned on the 4th of June, which is, uh, what is that, 5th, no. 20. 20-something days ago. We're the 27th, so. Nah. 26. There you go. Today's the 27th, isn't it? I don't know what day it is. 20, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's between two and three weeks old. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Exactly. 21 so days. Super fresh. No. No. 23. 23, yeah. Good God. Uh, so just this, over three weeks old. This is why we are in sales and music. Yeah. We are not mathematicians, guys. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about high caliber subtraction here. Yeah, those are big numbers, guys. So. I mean, come on. Uh, I like this beer quite a bit. I get a bunch of that pithiness right up front, but that really redeems, or not redeems, but it kind of um, makes this beer acceptable immediately for me. As opposed uh, to what it might be? Was as opposed to me not enjoying it. It makes me enjoy it more because I get a ton of the, the hop bitterness up front. In that pithiness, which makes me feel like I'm drinking an actual IPA and not a smoothie of sorts. So I really respect them for that. Treehouse has been one of those ones where some of their beers are like super crazy, like sweet and juicy. This one's definitely not sweet and juicy. It's got a nice, nice pithiness to it. I really do like that quality of this beer. And it, it browns out really well in the middle. It's super well balanced in the middle. You get like a nice little mouthwatery thing. But then it finishes dry. Like, I, my mouth is dry right now. Like, I want to take another sip. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth pointing out, or like doubling down on, it's not Double sweet down. and juicy um, comparatively to other Treehouse beers, but compared to like a, a West Coast IPA, this is extremely sweet and juicy. Oh, 100%. Right? Um, yeah. But I think I'm there with you. It's um, it's pretty balanced, I think. I, I would say if I had to put this on like a like a curve from the beginning and the middle and the end, like it starts off with kind of a punch. It mellows out, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just flattens out there. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think most of the impact in this beer is right when you drink it. Mm-hmm. You get a lot on the nose when you first kind of inhale to drink. Oh, it smells phenomenal. But it also smells a lot sweeter and juicier than it is. The hops almost come out of nowhere when you drink it, which I think very surprising and very fun because, like you're saying, you could expect just like an overly sweet, overly juicy beer. And this isn't that. It's not a one-trick pony in that sense. Yeah. So I'm into it. It's like an onion, man. Yeah. It's got layers. I got you. Yeah. Um, do you want to rate it? Or do you want to talk about it some more? I don't really want to talk about it anymore. All right. I think we've used all of our fancy words <laughs> and uh, fancy word time is over. It's time sure. for fancy numbers because they've got decimal points right in the middle. Sure. Uh, out of 10, Johnny, what do you give it? I it just immediately it popped in my head when I drank it and I can't think of any reason why it's inaccurate. Uh, I think it's tremendous and this beer feels like an eight, three to me. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's upper echelon for this style. It's got a massive drinkability. It is not. A juice bomb that is too sweet. And yep. I, that's this hits all the markers for me to like this beer in this style. So eight three. Okay. I'm gonna go eight. Um I still do get some of that that it's just it tastes like a like almost too bitter and not like a hot bitterness, like a um oh I don't know how to how to explain it really, but there's a like a real tart bitterness that you get sometimes when you get like the dregs of a of an IPA. It's almost like a grapefruit bitterness. Almost, but like yeah, peel, not grapefruit mm-hmm. itself. Like it's just real, real peely and um like acidic. You, like you took a grapefruit and took a bite out of yep. it like an apple. Um so I get a lot of that, and that's kind of turning me off a little bit, but the rest of it's very good. Um 
And I'd be curious to try, like, if I could ever get this on draft, I think it would be a totally different experience. Mm. Um, not necessarily better or worse, but I would, if I had to guess, probably better. Just because you're getting a little bit more of that top layer. It'd be fun to try, you know, for science. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go eight. Eight for right. me. 8.3 for you. Let's move right along. I respect that. Thank you. Right into Flick Picks. This yep. is one of those weeks, Flick Picks, if you don't know, we sometimes watch more than one movie a week, and it's been a little bit crazy in our lives lately, so we haven't uh, dedicated as much time to movies. I've been trying to avoid sitting down for long periods of time because of my thrown out back, which we'll get into later. So what have you been doing? Standing constantly or kind laying? Of, I've been laying and standing. I lay on hardwood a lot. Um, okay. Uh, Later in the show, we'll talk about hot and bothered, and I'll talk about why my back is hurting. But um, that's fair. I do want to shout out something that is close to a movie, though not exactly, and that is a miniseries on HBO called Chernobyl. And if you can't put that together based on just the name, it is a miniseries that documents yeah, what's the, it about, right? Um, the explosion that happened at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the USSR in 1986. Uh, pretty bad stuff. I don't know how this w- nobody would know about this, but if you are somebody that's like. What is that? Check out the show. I mean, check it out regardless. It's a really dramatic and well done retelling of the events. And it's, it's tragic and it, I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's hard to conceptualize. And I think I've never seen something that really details this as much as this does. Yeah. Um, so I just always knew like, yeah, there was a, like a power plant explosion. Like I kind of know what radiation does to people, man, it sounds bad, but I mean, they really put it in front of you in this, um, big shout out to their, their prosthetics and their makeup department. I mean, it's friggin' intense. I have seen three of the five episodes so far, and I know, Johnny, you've seen one. Yeah, I watched the first one, and I was like, oof, this is heavy. Yeah. And I was not quite in the mindset to watch it. Right. You have to be of a very particular mindset to watch something like this. It's kind of like a disaster movie. It's going to yes. be very serious, a little yeah. dark, pretty heavy, but also uh, historically, I'm hoping somewhat accurate. I, I'm sure it's somewhat accurate, uh, yeah. So, yeah, a little bit tough to watch, but if, if you're in the mood, you're maybe a sociopath, but if you're in the mindset to watch this. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot can be gleaned from this just in terms of historical context. I think it's important to know about this. Yeah. Um, there's a real vibe that I got is like, um, there's a, there's a, there's a Greek myth here that I can't think of, but like, or maybe I'll just use the Bible example, like building a tower up to the heavens and then having it crumble. Like that would be Babel. Yeah, sure. Um, like flirting kind of with inevitable disaster here. Like Mm -hmm. we were playing around with stuff we couldn't handle and then it backfired. And it was this crazy, hugely high number of deaths lesson that we learned. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a heavy thing, but I think it's a worthwhile show to watch. It's directed really well. It never feels like they're overly dramatizing it for entertainment purposes, which I think is a really key factor in making something like this. That's good. Yeah. You um, can't bastardize it and turn it into like an action yeah, film. Which is what I was going to say. Like you have disaster movies like 2012 with, uh, I think The Rock was in that, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I might be. But movie, or like, like The was Day in, After Tomorrow. Yeah, he was or in San Andreas. Yeah. I get those mixed up. But like those, which are like disaster movies that are so crazy. Like there's an earthquake and fire coming from the bottom end and then thunder and lightning. Like those are meant to entertain us. And very, this, very frightening. Somebody, a, a lesser director than Craig Mazin, who did this, would have milked that. And be like, we could make this a crazy and like focus on one character and his love story. And oh, his babies died from radiation. And it's not that. It's It's really kind of a larger telling of everything. And there are babies in this. Maybe they do die. I don't know. I got two episodes to go. They just grew some other arms, man. It's yeah. fine. But they might like, I think it will be handled pretty well. Yeah. It reminds, that reminds me, you were just talking about like, you know, the way that these things can kind of be messed up sure. when they made that movie about Pearl Harbor. And then all of a sudden it was like a love story with Ben Affleck at the center. I forgot about that. 
Oof, I haven't seen that movie in, I think I saw it once like when it came out and I was yeah. a kid, but it's not good. Yeah, I mean, it just seems so disingenuous to kind of reduce all of the tragedy to to like a one-on-one interaction, though you could also make the argument that that it's it's easier to kind of empathize with this if it's not these thousands of nameless people. Yeah, you have to personalize yeah, it. Yeah, but it's a balance too. Like you're not you shouldn't reduce Pearl Harbor to one relationship. I don't think that's what that movie did necessarily, but yeah, um, that could have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of like a movie like Saving Private Ryan really walked that line because it was about this small group of people, but it was also fitting into this larger. Sure you know, puzzle that was world war two and, yeah. and Normandy, all that. So I think it, these movies like this and war movies, especially too, have to be done with care and taste and, um, sensitivity. I mean, also like Pearl Harbor was 1942 or something like that is right there in the early forties. Yeah. Um, so we're talking like 80 years ago, whereas Chernobyl here, this was, this was, uh, 86. Yeah. Like there are people not super old that are alive that, they watched this on the news or lived through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, that was a year before I was born. Right. Exactly. So like there's a different tone that, I mean, even outside of creatively speaking, creatively speaking, like I said, creatively, creatively, um, like you have to factor in that a lot of your audience is probably turning this on and be like, Oh, let me have some nostalgia, not the good kind, but I'll put this on. And if you, if you sort of, um, over dramatize it for the sake of entertainment, I just feel so much shittier. Yeah. 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 You have to do it well. And uh, I've been impressed so far. And you sound like you're three episodes yep. in. Yes. So I think we can fresh hop approve this. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I would check it out. Again, that's Chernobyl. It's on HBO. It's a miniseries. All in all, it's five and a half hours. So spread it over a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let us know what you think by reaching out to us at email, fhccastgmail.com. You can tweet us. You can Instagram us, Facebook. Or you can hit us up through our website. It's all good either way. I turned off a movie. Oh, that's okay. What? It's like a it's like a reverse an anti flick. It's yeah. anti flick. Is it something not to watch? It's wine country. Oh, wait, wine country. Netflix original. is that the Adam Sandler that I told you not to watch? No. Okay. <laughs> this is a Netflix original with Amy Poehler. Oh, uh, Maya Rudolph. Yeah. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone, you know those like those those that, gals yes. that that troop mm-hmm. of females, and then I think Tina Fey is in it for a moment. Simply unwatchable yeah why so just the acting is so bad and the writing is just so lazy and it was just cringy but like not deliberately like it was just organically which is a bummer because like they've been behind some really really good movies like bridesmaids is arguably one of the best yeah i was stoked for that yeah Made me want to watch Bridesmaids again yeah so why did you put it on what made you want to watch it uh i love amy poehler I loved her as Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec. Sure. She's hilarious. Maya Rudolph's hilarious. Uh, Tina Fey. Love her so much. I've had yep. a crush on Tina Fey since like the weekend update on Saturday Night Live when okay. she used to do that. She's amazing and she's a great writer. Yeah. Uh, so all in all, the pieces had a lot of potential, but the puzzle did not fit together Yeah. in a fun or fantastic fashion. Yeah. It's a bummer. Furthermore. Sure. No, that's all. Okay. I'm just saying F words. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a bummer. I, I had to turn it off. I was like 30, 45 minutes in and I was just, I, I couldn't do it. It was like a 90 minute movie. Something, Something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. It was just not worth it. Not worth it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So, so don't, don't watch Wine Country. Watch Chernobyl on HBO. If definitely. Want. This watch, is not a plug for HBO being better than Netflix. Yeah. Unless they want to sponsor us. And then in which case it is way better. Yeah. Yeah. 
100%. Let's go to break. Let's take a break. We will be back with a spoiler-free review. Yeah, I'll call it a review. Slash discussion yes. of The Dead Don't Die. Oh, the dead don't die Any more than you or I They're just ghosts inside Johnny Summers, I've told you about the handlebar a million times. You've told me a million times. But let's do it just one more time to tell all of our listeners. If you guys haven't been to the handlebar right here in Chico, you can go there. It's at 2070 East 20th Street. And my friend Johnny Summers is going to tell you about their happy hour. Yes, I am. Every single day of the week from 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get, I think, a dollar off cocktails. You're going to get dollar off all the craft beers, and you're going to get half off bottles of wine. It's a ridiculously good deal. It's a great environment. They've got a nice patio. There's TVs everywhere. They've expanded their seating within the last year, expanded the menu. It's it's a great place to hang out, grab a bite to eat, and grab a cocktail or a drink or beer or some wine, whatever you like to drink. Once again, that is the Handlebar right here in Chico, south end of town. 2070 East 20th Street. Go support a local business. You'll thank yourself. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. In the sleepy town of Centerville, something is not quite right. The moon hangs large and low in the sky. The hours of daylight are becoming unpredictable, and animals are beginning to exhibit unusual behaviors. News reports are scary, and scientists are concerned. But no one foresees the strangest and most dangerous repercussion that will soon start plaguing Centerville. The dead rise from their graves and feast on the living, and the citizens must battle to survive. Everybody, that was a trailer and subsequently a description of the film The Dead Don't Die, the most recent film written and directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Sevigny, Caleb Landry Jones, Tilda Swinton, Danny Glover, Steve Buscemi, Tom Waits, Selena Gomez, Iggy Pop, and, and more. Uh, a lot, a lot of people in this film. I want to say off the bat, as of June 26th, it has made $5.2 billion. billion dollars. <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at me go. Um, you just gave me. this movie a raise, bro. <laughs> Obviously, I meant million, um, which is which is fine because it's it's only limited release around the country right now. It was originally out on June fourteenth. It was uh, hour forty three minutes long, give or take, and big, it's rated R. Big shout out to the Pageant Theater. Yes, we went and supported a sweet local movie theater and drank some local beer. Love that, and watched a movie locally. Yes, Pageant's great. They were screening. I think by now it is no longer at the Pageant unless they have one more day, but. I mean, unless you're hearing this the moment. Uh, nah, even then. You probably missed it. Yeah. They uh, might put it on for longer, though. It seemed to be fairly successful. Yeah, we were in there on a, on a Sunday. Sunday at like the four o'clock showing, and it was packed. Uh, yeah, indeed. So it's rated R, like I said. Um, it's been slated as a comedy horror film. And I want to know, Johnny, off the bat, what did you think of this movie? 
Well, you know, this was an interesting movie. It was written in a very, very hyper-specific style. It is a stylistic zombie horror film, one that I feel I did not quite completely comprehend. I want to re-watch this film in a, a private setting where I can really focus and try and get more out of it. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it had moments of being funny, being serious, being violent. There was uh, a little bit of everything you would kind of expect out of a zombie movie. There was some of the old tropes. There was some silliness. There was an awesome guy named Tom Waits. Sure. I love Tom Waits' a character. A little, little, little B-side actor. Yeah. So it, it was an interesting movie. Uh, I don't know if it was exactly for me, which is surprising. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, overall, it wasn't bad. I think it was enjoyable, but you have to subscribe to a very particular brand of comedy to really fully endorse this movie. Okay. What do you think? Well, so, as I mentioned earlier, and I, again, I haven't really detailed what happened to my back, but I've had a lot of time, particularly around the house, just to think. Um, and I thought a lot about this movie because like I enjoyed watching it, but I, I don't necessarily think it was a great movie. Mm. Um, and, and the whole thing where I started seeing it branded after I'd seen the movie as a comedy horror movie, um, really like it didn't sit right with me because like, I don't know it, like the trailers looked like it was a comedy, but then no matter everywhere I took, it was like Jim Jarmusch new, new horror film. And, and I think like the collective conscious thought of society is like zombies equal horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe excluding like a Shaun of the Dead scenario, yeah. but even that, like there are scary moments and this movie never scared me. Um, not really. Shaun of the Dead was a pretty silly goose time. Yeah. But there's like to... jump scares and there's like, I don't Barely. know. Barely. Yeah. That's yeah. That's true. Barely. Um, but like, I don't know. It kind of made me think like what makes zombies scary in the first place. Um, and then like you think of, I did some research here, but like the first modern zombie movie where a zombie was like an incarnation of a decomposing human um, was George Romero's night of the living dead. That's mm. like a, I think it was, uh, let me check my date here. Uh, 68. I was going to say 67. Yeah. 68. You should have let me um, guess. Sure. Uh, but like before that, like monster movies were, were like werewolves. They were ghosts, vampires, like, like monsters. Right. And the first zombie movie came out in the twenties. It did, but it was not the same kind of zombie that you think of today. Exactly. Yeah. It was all a lot of monster horror. Right. And this yeah. guy, George Romero was like bold enough to, to stipulate the thing that might be scarier to us than the worst monsters we could imagine are us mm-hmm. in a way. Um, so I like cut forward 50 years later and in like today's movie climate, zombies aren't a new thing per se. No, they've um, kind of been beaten to death. Right. And and they're equally not a new way of, of sort of framing a metaphor for our own fears about ourselves. Right. Um, like even the most cookie cutter zombie films still have like a group of people that realize there's an outbreak they try to survive the 90 minutes it takes for them to get the end. <laughs> and like in a good scenario, like we get to experience that with them. And like, we learn about what they're going through, like their fears, um, whether that's like love or loss or, or the afterlife or like the meaning of the life that we're in. Like, why is it so scary to lose that? Yeah. There's been an established formula for this. Type right. Of thing. And ultimately a good zombie movie is scary because we are scared. We're scared about dying or we're scared about having meaningless lives, or whatever it might be. The problem is in the dead don't die. Jarmusch takes a quick stand and telling us what to be afraid of, mm-hmm. right? Like we are consumers and we're lazy and we're complacent and like the world's coming to an end and, and we see it happening and we just don't care. Um, the problem is like we're comically beaten over the head with it so frequently that it gets old before it's allowed to get scary. Exactly. Or funny or funny. Right. This movie was a bit too deadpan. Right. I mean like the potential absolute dread that like the world ending because of, uh, 
polar fracking or whatever. I don't yeah. know what that even. I mean, I know what it is, but like that's not a thing. Um, but Yet. the dread of that, right, is like it's never allowed to percolate or bubble to the surface because like it's either too obvious or like buried by second rate jokes. I will say there's no denying that Bill Murray is funny as like kind of the the deadpan police chief. Bill, is Bill Murray? He's funny. Bill Murray. I think Adam Driver as like the matter of fact, self aware kind of small town bumpkin cop is funny, but like a hysterical. And I don't use that word super lightly, uh, particularly with women, because I feel like it's thrown around. Like a hysterical Chloe Seventy, um, a ridiculous like samurai Tilda Swinton, um, and pretty much everybody else in this movie. Like they don't work. Yeah. And later on, I'd love to talk about kind of like the tonal imbalances here. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately for me, like I said in the beginning, this movie was fun to watch. Some of it caught me off guard. Um, I think the twists were worth a chuckle, but ultimately didn't serve the plot by the end of it. Um, this seems weird to say, but like if it had gone on another hour, I would have been into it. But the second that it was over, like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm certainly not going to watch it again. I was over this movie in the second act. Yeah. Um, personally. So it really, it lost its shine for me rather abruptly uh, when the tone was established and then unflinchingly unabandoned. Yeah. Uh, and th- that got beaten, beaten to the ground pretty hard mm-hmm. in certain things. So, yeah, I think I feel pretty damn similar to everything that you're laying down. Uh, this movie definitely, I don't think, was for me. Yeah, and, and it's weird because it's like, you got to wonder if it was for anybody yeah. aside from Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. Like maybe he just wants to make this movie for whatever reason. Like there's the stuff that could have mattered seemed like it didn't. I mean, you have almost caricatures of people like think of Steve Buscemi's character mm-hmm. or like Selena Gomez. Um, speaking of which did but not, did not matter. No, <laughs> not, at all. not at all. Um, there's a couple of things here in this movie that just don't, don't go anywhere. There's those, the, the problem I think was that there was no, overall cohesion you know none of like same like what you're saying you're kind of giving voice to the feelings that i've had inside just that none of the characters really work together none of the writing really made sense like none of their interactions really felt genuine and then there was uh some very direct and in my opinion unnecessary fourth wall breaking i'm gonna i'm gonna call you there it's not really a fourth wall breaking because they're not like telling us right they're kind of acknowledging that they are in a thing. Yeah. So I think, I think that I would call it like self-awareness. Yeah. Kind of. It was just odd. Yeah. And Whereas then like looking at us being like, Hey, is this, this person or doing yeah. whatever it is? Um, just to me, that didn't do much for the movie. It was worth a chuckle at first. Yeah. And then it's like, but why? That's a cheap laugh. Yeah. Well, it's a cheap laugh because it didn't develop the plot. It yeah. was just like, here's this, if anything, and this is me like really rooting for the director here. Like, maybe he was trying to say and without spoiling, it, I guess it's trickier, but like the stuff that they quote unquote are self-aware with are almost more acknowledgements of how much none of it matters. Mm. And maybe that could be construed as like a zombie type premise. Like we're all going to die and we're all zombies anyways. And none of it matters. Maybe, but still it's a weak way of doing it. Yeah. I agree. Well, Let's not drag this this dead zombie through the mud any longer. Let's rate it and sure. let's uh, move on with our lives. Well, I wonder if there's anything you liked about it, I, like that, that you liked and stuck with it. That I that I liked that you and even now you're like, yeah, that was a good part of the movie. A good part of the movie, yeah, or I a good liked, performance or whatever it might be. Iggy Pop was funny. Okay, Just who is fact- Iggy Pop, by the way? He's a musician. Yeah, he's a very he's one of the forefathers of punk rock. Okay. Iggy and the Stooges were one Got of it. the very first punk rock bands ever in existence. Uh, and he's just a living living legend. 
Okay. So to see him as a zombie was pretty funny, but it was ruined for me in the trailer. And it like the level of his involvement was fully encapsulated in the trailer. So there was sure. nothing added to that. So that was kind of a bummer. So I guess even Iggy Pop was a bummer. Yeah. Shit. So nothing? Um, Because if it's nothing, I'm expecting you to say this movie was a one. There wasn't a bit of things you enjoyed. It's got to be a one from you. Uh, shoot. I mean, Bill Bill Murray. I mean, but that's, just, that's not nothing. Just because he's Bill Murray. You know what I mean? But like... He wasn't outstanding in this. I've seen him in multiple better roles. I don't know. I thought he was pretty good in this. He was fine. Honestly, up to Bill Murray's standards, he wasn't that funny. Well, like, I, it wasn't the greatest role. Well, no, but I mean, he's not being like classic, comedically huge Bill Murray. Like he's kind of reeling it in. No, he's been in a few serious movies lately. Right, but, but this isn't a serious movie. It's a no, comedy but I'm movie. saying, and he was still hysterical, but like in a dry, okay, serious way. So I mean. I feel like Bill Murray was underutilized is like the point of that. It just didn't, it, you could have done so much more. Well, this movie is wasted potential. What would you have done differently with this character? Uh, the, just the writing was so disingenuous. It never really gelled. I feel like there was no, it wasn't smooth. Particularly was, with his character? With all the characters. It was just so rough around the edges. It just didn't jive with me. Like I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. I didn't really buy that they worked together. I didn't, I just didn't buy it. So, I mean, like I would like to see <laughs> all of the dialogue rewritten in general. So yeah, I guess I can say Bill Murray wasn't even, it was fine. Okay. It's cool. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I liked anything about this movie. Okay. Well, I want to double back around and I, and I said the Tilda Swinton kind of samurai character was not good. And I don't think it was good for the movie, but I did love Tilda Swinton doing that. Like, I think, I think her like being this boisterous Scottish samurai wielding person, kind of funny. Yeah. I think she was in the wrong movie for sure. I think she like walked into the wrong theater. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it still worked. Like it was one of those things while watching the movie, I was like, okay, I'm into this, but then like later, it doesn't make sense, especially with where her character, the tangent goes, but whatever. I enjoyed it. I really loved Caleb Landry Jones in this as like the nerdy kind of comic book slash general store t- fish bait store. Whatever. What the hell was, was that store? It was a comic book store. Was it? Comic book gas station. Okay. Store. Like it's a gas station and yeah. you just kind of nerded it out. Mm-hmm. Like I think we've seen Caleb Landry Jones in a number of things at this point. He was in um, Get Out. Three Billboards, Get Out. I mean, he always kind of plays like a creepy sort of guy. Oh, he was so slimy in Get Out. Right. But yeah. here it's like you kind of reframe him from being like creepy to like just nerdy and adorable. Um, and I'm starting to like that kid a lot as an actor. I think he's doing good stuff. Um, Steve Buscemi, I wanted more from that would have been nice. Um, if he well, wasn't just reduced to like a good, let's dive super deep into all of this in the danger zone. Okay. Let's rate this and let's get deep into You're this over game. this. <laughs> well, no, like we done this a couple weeks in a row where we get to the danger zone. We don't have anything to talk about. So I feel like you could talk about what it was good about him in the danger zone, Steve Buscemi, what I liked about certain things. Okay. Like we can dive deeper and expound upon and extrapolate further on sure. the characters. Okay. Sure. Do you I'm agree? up for it if you are. I am. Okay. Well, then we are going to go to a break. We're going to come back, talk about our second and final beer. Uh, and then we're going to get into hot and bothered. Where we'll finally spoil the answer for why Max's back hurts. Oh my God. <laughs> the answer is not bondage. And then we will finally get into, nobody gets that reference because nobody was listening to our bonus content yet. It's fine, man. Patreon people get that reference. Bro, this is meta. And then we'll jump into spoilers for this movie. So please do stick around, even if you haven't seen this and you don't want it to be spoiled. You can cut out later if you want or just stick through it. 
because it's going to be a fun time in the danger zone. That's right. We'll be right back. But first, as is tradition, young Maxwell has forgotten a vital part of step two. I'm literally going to make this part of my shtick. I'm of just going to forever. Podcast. I'm just like, all right, we're going to go to break. Oh, no, we have to rate it. Yeah. I was going to just let you go. I was yeah. wondering if you were going to bring it back Give me around. like a hand. Like, you know I'm a No, I'm not going to let you. I'm going to let you fail, and I'm going to enjoy watching it. All right. So let's rate so this. So let's rate this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you first, dude. You've earned it. This is a 1.2. Oof. Yeah. This I, was, think, I think you're going to look back on this in like a year and realize that's not the right rating. That's I what I think. I don't think so. I know. That's why you're giving her a 1.2. Yeah. But I'll well, write it. Well, Put it set down. a reminder in your phone for a year from now to <laughs> make me watch. I'm dead serious. I will. That'd be awesome. You know what? We're getting a couple of these now. We'll do this. We'll rewatch this when we bust out our Sour Monkey that we're also like, we'll revisit this in a year. We'll do Sour Monkey. We'll do this. And then we'll do another beer. Didn't we just do Sour Monkey? Yeah, and we were both like, let's save a couple of these, see how they age. Oh, and we'll, did and we, we have, do that? Yeah, we have a couple in the cool. I in don't the even remember that. I got you, dude. I'm glad someone's in charge of this. I'll remember the parts of the show. I'll make a note. You remember what happened four shows ago. Sure. And together, <laughs> we'll be a successful- we'll be a whole podcast. Successful whole person. Yeah. Remember that episode of Seinfeld where- uh, Nope, George I haven't watched it. George and Jerry, no? No. And now we're all closer to death. <laughs> or not, but does it even matter? <laughs> So 1.2 for you. Yeah, what are you rating this? I'm going to give it a six. Oh, wow. It's just above completely middle of the road. I think the performance is elevated. I think the enjoyment watching it for me was was fine. But also, like, the unrewatchability is, like, it's going to stay in the, the middle range for me. I got physically tired of watching this movie in the theater. Oh, yeah? And that never happens, where I'm just like... That happens to you a lot. Does it? You're always like, this could have been... You, here's what you say. You go, ah, could have been, could have been 30 minutes shorter. That's what you, you say that like at least once a month. This movie could have not existed. Right. So this is a little ex- more extreme. We'll yeah. No, within the first 30 to 45 minutes, I'm like stretching my neck and like looking around, like wondering what's happening. Mm-hmm. This Why? movie was, was definitely more into itself than any of its viewers will ever be. Yeah. This movie thought it was like, uh, you know. Whatever the, is in my hands. The bees that. pajamas. Sure. And like it's it's a movie that thinks it's way better than anybody's ever gonna think. And I, Max, I completely give you that. We'll tell you why in the danger zone. We'll be right back. Danger zone. 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 Danger Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger um, 80-ish episodes. We started the Danger Zone in like the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe the 40s. Well, we're old, man. Yeah. Steak cost 50 cents. All this to say, if you've never heard of Danger Zone, it's the portion of the show where, namely, we spoil the movie in the end, but also we, uh, well, have lifted all bands on language and capacitors. Um, what are capacitors, man? You know, they're, they're things. In the 50s, coffee was a nickel. <laughs> uh, we've also lifted all bands on different accents. So Johnny will say stuff like that sometimes, and we'll sing the phrase "Danger Zone." Yeah, and if you're not into that, you can get out of here because we don't want you anyways. Wherever you're in right now, just get out. Get out. If it's a hopefully, moving car, get out. Hopefully, don't you're do on the freeway. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, why does your beer not have a label on the blue part, or does it never? It's the artistic series, man. That's perhaps Blue Ribbon gets wild with their cans sometimes. So Johnny opened up a PBR, and I've never seen it where, or is it in black ink? No, it's still blue. Oh, weird. Is that how it always looks? No. Okay. Usually it's like the, the letters are outlined in white. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's just outlined? Yeah. Learn a little bit every day. I tell you what, man. Well, so in case Deschutes does listen to this, 
Deschutes, we were just kidding. We're certainly not drinking a PBR. I'm actually not, because not for me. I am. All right. Well, Johnny's drinking a PBR to cleanse his palate before we drink Black Butte Cubed. It is an aged, a barrel-aged version of the Black Butte Porter, which uh, if you are into craft beer, you've probably had. It's readily available, even in Northern California. But if you've never had Deschutes, they're out of Bend, Oregon. And this particular barrel-aged variant is, you said 11 point. 12. 12.6. Okay. I don't have the bottle facing me, so I couldn't say it. Uh, and it's 44 IBUs, give or take. And I'm going to read out loud what they have about at least one version of this beer. Before you do that, let's have a shot of bourbon. Uh, l- before I do it? Yeah. Well, let's do it like no, this. No, that'll make it way more fun. You have to do a shot and then I'm not doing a read shot. the description. I, I will sip my bourbon like a no. gentleman. No. Here's my sip. Watch this. You're I'm, no fun. Well, but you got to hear. You, I'm right. like. We're not going to have this awkward silence. We're both drink and slurp. Yeah. We made eye contact and now you go. And then we'll just fill the gap really smoothly. Because you are going to say, and then you're going to take over my sentence as I finish talking. And drinking my bourbon, which is a delicious, uh, what is this, Russell's? Yeah, it's Russell's 10-year bourbon. The second shot was better than the first shot. You sound like a damn 18-year-old. We're not drinking shots. Even if you happen to drink it all at once. The second We're pouring. We're having whiskey. Damn the it. second pouring was much less... Uh, Abrasive sure. on my throatal passages. That's actually weirdly works for me. Yeah. But I think for most people, I was like, that's just as bad. Okay. A delicious equation of Deschutes Imperial Black Butte Porter Agent Black Butte Porter Whiskey Casts. Whiskey. From Ben Distillery. The result is tantalizing libation of bourbon, chocolate, vanilla, caramel, oak that is set upon a slightly smoky roasted finish. Black Butte is night or Black Butte Cubed, excuse me. Is 90% oak aged, so be prepared for an aggressive beer that should age gracefully. Well, hot diggity down. Uh, Johnny, shout out where we got this beer, first of all, please. A friend and listener of the show. And libation provider recently. Cameron, the provider of many libations. Now, you've had Black Butte Porter, so have I. Many times. Have you ever had Black Butte Cubed? No. Okay. Wait. I drank three Black Butte Porters once. Does that count? (laughs) That doesn't absolutely not count. (laughs) But... Um, nonetheless, I would love to know, uh, after you taste this beer, cause I'm about to pour it for you. Um, I'm going to have you try to guess what year you think this was, uh, bottled. And we know that actually Johnny, you're a beer guy. Yeah. So am I, but I'm going to pour this. So you talk, um, what happens to beers the longer they age? Usually, generally speaking. Well, generally speaking, sometimes they get stronger due to residual, uh, liquor in the barrels, and also they gain flavor from the actual liquor in the barrels, and also the wood characteristics, sure. i.e., oak, as this was aged on oak. So, a lot of that mixed with you know, the oakiness and the bourbonness or whiskiness, whatever bourbonosity. the bourbonosity, yeah, can really reflux capacitate directly into your beer. You sound like you super know what you're talking about, giving you a way more super ridiculously delicious experience. Sure. So we're saying a little bit oakier, potentially a little bit stronger, a little bit boozier, obviously. Yeah. Um, any particular flavors out of the ones that I listed, uh, which were... Well, we got some uh, we had a bunch. Yeah, bourbon, sure. chocolate, vanilla, caramel, and oak. What do you Of those, what do you think is the most likely to fall off over time? If to, Just to kind of cue you in that this may or may not, just to give you an idea of how old this is, what might be missing if it's old? Uh, you're going to get less vanilla, less caramel. The sweetness is going to kind of dissipate. It's going to even out. Uh, you should probably get a bit more almost like date 
flavor yeah. is what I would guess. That's what I would guess, too. From all of the things I'm reading. Hopefully the chocolate's still around. The bourbon will still be around. The oak will still be around. Uh, it'd be ideal if some of the vanilla and caramel were still around. So just on my first taste, I think a lot of what you predicted outside of the ideal stuff is right. There's a little bit more raisiny kind of plum dateness. Um, still some chocolate. Not as much bourbon as I was expecting. Uh, that said, the thing that I had in my mouth right before this was actual bourbon. So you might have messed us up there with your involuntary pour of bourbon into both of our glasses. Oh, but it's voluntary. What do you uh, what do you think of this? I think I was kind of spot on. It definitely mm-hmm. has a raisiny brown sugary quality to it, sure. which I rather enjoy. A little bit of heat, but not too much. You can definitely tell. I'm I'm pretty familiar with how Black Butte Porter tastes. Yeah. So you can definitely pick up some of the barrelly notes from the whiskey, which I like. I feel like it enhances the beer quite a bit. It's really good. So if you had to take a take a shot in the dark, uh, and you wanted to guess how old this beer was, what do you think? I'd say this was manufactured between 2012 and 2014. Okay. You would you like to know? Sure. It was 2015. It was oh, July 2015. Okay. So it's uh, almost four years old. Um and obviously I can't really guess what I would have guessed because I already know it and I would probably skew that. But um, I think that I'm getting a little bit um, a little bit of the residual flavors that I wouldn't expect if it were like seven years old, for yeah. example. Like there's not quite enough barrel there for me to be convinced that it's really, really aged. Granted, it's not been aging oh, four dude, to seven years there's in a, a barrel. There's a ton of barrel there. There is, but you would also agree that there's a difference between like a, a four-year aged beer and a nine-year aged beer. Not really when it comes to barrel flavor because it's aging in a bottle. Well, that's a good point. I guess I guess it's not going to get more barrel flavor from a glass bottle. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess that is kind of a whole different ball game. Like, yeah, what I I think vanilla and caramel still fall off in a bottle. Um, but yeah, maybe not supplemented by bourbon. Obviously, yeah, the amount of bourboniness will stay level in a glass sure. bottle. Like sure. once it's in there, your, yeah, your heat. Off. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, Especially when you just compare this to regular Black right. Butte Porter, which I wish we had one of. That would yeah. have been a very easily been, yes. easy task to achieve, but Damn it. we're lazy. No, we're not lazy. We just didn't think about it. If, if we had thought about that, we would have done it. We could have done we that. We could have done it. We're not lazy. We're not zombies. We would have gotten that. Exactly. Um, but no, that would have been would have been nice. Maybe that. Yeah. Maybe that's what we do in a year. We get another Black Butte. We review this movie. It's possible. We review this movie. Just do. redo this episode. Sure. <laughs> Get to that point. We're so lazy. We're just going to redo beers and movies from a year ago. I mean, we wouldn't remember. Every now and again, I'm like, did we do this? Dude, I don't remember three weeks ago. Sure. Yeah. I look back. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We watched that movie. Yeah. It was okay. What did I say on the podcast? Yeah. I remember not liking it and saying something about vacuums. Yeah. Pretty much. That's how it goes. Well, do you like the spirit? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Nonetheless, whatever it might have changed since it was bottled almost four years ago, I do enjoy it. Um, it's not as aggressive as I expected. 12.6, I was I was going to expect a bit of a punch. It's got some sharpness on on certain parts of it, but yeah, it's it's pretty drinkable. Would you say like, yeah, like alcohol sharpness? Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. It's got hmm. a little bit of heat to it. I think this is a really good example of what a porter can be barrel aged. Totally. Um, Cause what you don't get is kind of that sickly heaviness. Yeah. In like a 12.6% stout. Yeah. This is a great sipper. It's I've, weirdly light. It is. But I mean, black butte Porter is weirdly light. It's like a dark beer with all this robust, big flavor. Yeah. No, totally. It's nice and light and drinkable. And this is just a really good uh, enhancement of that that beer Mm -hmm. and it really maintained a lot of the things i like about black butte porter and it added 
a lot of things that I enjoy from barrel aged beers. Obviously, it's it's thin, but it's a barrel aged porter. You're not going to get a ton of viscosity out of it. It is not a barrel aged stout. We can't judge it as so. No, agreed. So for being a barrel aged porter, I think this beer is super drinkable. Uh, I would 100% buy the piss out of this beer again. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I dig it. I dig it quite a bit. I think I'm ready to rate it. I love that you said buy it again. Like you bought it the first time. Oh, I'm totally. really happy. Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> let someone. I would definitely have Cameron buy this again for us. I would definitely let someone give me this beer again. Yeah, sure. Oh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think I'm ready to rate it if you are. We're already getting feedback about our bonus content, and it's making me uncomfortable. I love it, dude. No, it's great. <clears throat> yes. No, let's rate this beer. Yeah, let's do it. You first. This beer's going to be an 8.5. Pretty good, This man. is uh, upper upper tier Barrel-aged porter. This is not a style that you see often. A lot of people don't take the time to barrel-aged porters. And I, I really do enjoy it. Honestly, I would have liked to drink this beer fresh. I think it would have been. Oh, really? Yeah. I think the, the vanilla and the caramel, it might have been a little bit sweeter and just added a little bit of a, a layered quality to it that would have been enjoyable. I think it's good the way it is. I think it maybe could have been great when it was fresh. For me, the the sweetness is overpowering. Really? Yeah. Um and I've never actually considered the fact that like my go-to comparison is like a barrel aged 10 fitty, very heavy beer, right? Very heavy, very boozy. Um, but a lot of sweetness as well. Um, I'd never considered the fact that maybe the heaviness on the mouthfeel kind of outweighs the sweetness. Like here it's, it's almost too light. It's almost throwing me off where it's all, it's almost just, just too sweet. Mm. Um, like it's sitting on my tongue really heavy. Um, and it's a lot of that kind of molasses date taste mm-hmm. and less of kind of the m- more um, more decadent chocolate. I'm getting less of that and more, mostly like sweetness. Okay. And I would love a little bit more like dark chocolate taste here. I like that. But okay. it is it is still good. Um, for me, it's not amazing. So I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. It's still a strong rating. Yeah, it's I still agree. just just above middle of the road for me. Once again, that is Black Butte Cubed. From Deschutes Brewing. Uh, this was a one-time bottling, so you're not going to find it. But you can try the regular version and look for other versions that they have done of Black Butte Porter if you're up in the Bend area. I know they did a XXX version. It was aged in three different barrels. That was a more recent release. So keep an eye on this brewery. They're doing fun stuff with their beers, and uh, they're putting out some unique stuff. I think we like all of their stuff across the board, this beer included. So once again, that is Black Butte Cubed. From Deschutes Brewing. Once a week, we talk about what has us very happy or not so happy, uh, and we just we just throw it all in one, and we say, "What's got you hot and or bothered?" Uh, so, Johnny Summers, my friend, I want to ask you: What's so, got you hot or bothered? Well, I had a good old time in San Francisco. Yeah, so I you, just got back from a trip yesterday. Love it. Yeah, I was in San Francisco for two days by myself. Well, that was a mistake. If I if my barber is to be believed, <laughs> what do you mean, my barber? Yeah. You saw, if I'm not mistaken, again, this is just all going off of hearsay at this point, Coheed and Cambria. Yes. Originally, you told a friend of mine, my barber, to go buy the tickets in Portland. And yes. then you were like, oops, just kidding, buy it in San Francisco. He said, oh, I already bought them in Portland. Yes. You were not supposed to be by yourself. You are supposed to be with our friend Chris. And or wife. Sure. You yeah. were supposed to be the four of you, right? He he and his, his we had, and- We had talked about that, yeah. Yes. Uh, there was a pulling of the trigger before... Things were fully communicated. Okay. And uh, the show in Portland was on Sunday, and I work Monday through Friday, so it would be much more difficult for me to make a Sunday show eight hours away. So I decided to hit it three hours away. Um, Hindsight, I probably still could have gone to the Portland show, and I probably should have. 
but it's whatever. So yeah, long story short, he saw him on Sunday in Portland, and yes. I saw them on Tuesday in San Francisco. But you also had a great time. I had a blast. It was a very cathartic trip for me. I have been kind of taking care of a lot of different people for the last six months since the fire. It's really been um, me being in one of the most like non-selfish modes that I've ever had to be in. Yeah. Usually my life is pretty centered around myself and it's okay that way. Is it? Cause I don't have been like many people well, that sure, were, you're not like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have a family. I don't have kids. You're like, not, yeah. You're not like kids. I'm being selfish. Yeah. You're, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's usually fairly self-indulgent. Uh, and a lot of times my wife fits into that and we can kind of be self-indulgent together. And that, that really works. Uh, but we've really had to take a step back. Uh, we had people living with us. It's been it's been a tumultuous six months, and then the things that have gone on with with my wife and her mother passing. Uh, it's been draining and uh, really required a lot of me. And this trip was supposed to be kind of like a payback for myself, like a little treat. Like here, Johnny, you've earned this. Right. Like book this trip, and um, I had bought the tickets before. Uh, any of the last terrible thing that happened happened sure, right. and my wife was she she had to take some time off work long story short she couldn't go on this trip and i fully tried to talk myself into canceling the whole thing uh out of like low self-esteem i think is what it boils yeah. down to okay um like i fully believed that it wasn't really worth it just for me to go well, that sucks yeah really i had to kind of do some self-reflection and be yeah. like you know, that's not a healthy way to look at yourself and your self-worth. Like, it's okay to do things just for you, like just to make you happy totally. and just go do it. So yeah. uh, the morning of the tr- the concert, I booked a room, like didn't decide I was even going to go until that yeah. morning, booked a room, didn't know where it was, just knew that it had free parking and no one had ever written that it had bed bugs. Oh, so that's good. That's well, a good thing. Oh, I thought like, you were like, no one I got there and I had bed bugs. No, no, no. Like okay, good. on Yelp and sure. like uh, booking and all that, like some places have the peppered in mm-hmm. bed bug review sure. and that always gives you skeptical hippo eyes, but this place didn't. I ended up staying in the heart of Chinatown. Awesome. Which was a beautiful experience. I wandered around, excuse me, burp, uh, Chinatown for a good three hours and just ate street food and, and soaked it in it was a blast went to cellar maker went to city beer brought back beer that we drank on the bonus content yes, and we then did. uh went to a show it was awesome never been to the masonic so went oh. to that it was it's the masonic temple auditorium sure uh gave some masons some money to listen to a concert oh yeah i don't know sure. whatever uh it was cool though mastodon was playing their album crack the sky in its entirety Front to back, which is really cool. To Mastodon get. was the band? Yeah. Mastodon and, and Coheed. Coheedon came You love those two bands. Yeah. Do they often tour together? This first time they've well, ever been. That must have been a dream then. Yeah. Of course you have to go. It was a dream lineup. Yeah. It was How much were tickets? Uh, like 60 bucks. <laughs> oh, it's nothing. Worth. Let's do it. It's worth it. That's great. Uh, especially they were playing an album in its entirety. Right. Front to back, just as it's recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the coolest experience and they had giant led screens with brand new visuals that they had had drawn up by an illustrator just for this tour. Yeah. Went with every song. It was like a, an interactive experience. Great. And it was an album that was bred out of tragedy, 
which was kind of cool. The drummer wrote the whole album after, not after, because it happened when he was younger, but his, his sister committed suicide. Well, technically after. Yeah, it's sure. all technically after. Yeah. So the whole album is basically about dealing with suicide and okay. like the repercussions and just the, the vast spread of that, but dealt like molded into like a heavy metal prog metal concept album. Um, really heavy stuff. And it was like a super cathartic experience getting to see them play that album. I like, bet it meant a ton to me. Uh, and then Coheed was amazing. Sure. So yeah, overall fantastic two days. I Love ate it. great Chinese food. I wandered around and explored a beautiful city, went to some great breweries, brought back delicious beer, great show. Great times, man. Good, man. It meant a lot. It was important for me. Love it. Got to give yourself treats and remember that you're worth those treats. Absolutely, it's you do. It's hard for me to remember that sometimes. You're a treat. Thank you. And to give yourself a treat, I think it's great. Treat yeah. squared. I, I would have really regretted not going. Yeah, and definitely. I think that's a good reason to do things. Like if you know you're going to regret not doing it, mm -hmm. just dive in. It's with a big motivator. Feet. Just do it, man. I saw John Mayer tickets come across my Facebook feed and it was like playing in at the Golden One Center in Sacramento. Oh. And I had the same thing. I was like, you know what? I deserve this. Yeah. I clicked on it and it was like, it was like not nosebleeds, but like not great seats. 450 bucks. I was like, okay. I don't deserve this. No. That's too much. Quite frankly, he doesn't deserve this. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to wait till John Mayer because he's like, he's probably, what, 40? Not quite. Late 30s, early 40s, yeah. I'd guess. I'm going to wait 20 years. Then I'll see John Mayer. Like, catch him in that casino circuit. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just sell. Uh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'll learn 20,000 more of his songs. I'll play them enough till I hate them. Then I'll go see him. And then I'll meet him backstage and be like, hey, you hate your songs? Because I hate your songs. He's like, yeah, I'm sick of them. And then we'll have a good moment. Been playing them for years, yeah. bro. Can I buy you a beer? <laughs> yep. And then he's like, I don't drink beer. I drink Campari only. I'm like, ah, you haven't changed, John. Right. Still pretentious. Oh, John. John. I need my parody. Taylor was right about you. <laughs> no, on the real, my bother this week is my stupid, stupid back. Um, excuse me. I traveled to Southern California, Corona specifically, uh, which is like near Anaheim. Did you drink a Corona? Yeah, I did actually. I did a lot of barbecuing. Yeah. Uh, not a lot. I barbecued twice in okay. three days. So a lot. That's a lot for you. Yeah. Um, anyways, it was my grandma's 80th birthday party. Um, she turned 80 back in uh, May, the end of May, basically. Not basically. It was the end of May. But we couldn't go down there for that, so we kind of scheduled a family trip. We all came from different places. And I was I sort of rose to the the challenge of picking people up from the airport and bringing them back and that sort of thing. Sure. For like the first two days. Because you're young and virile. And I drive all the time. I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is fine. So I drove to Sacramento, flew out of there. That was an hour flight to Southern California. Super easy. Um, a lot of driving in between. And at one point, my grandma was trying to convince me she wanted to go get my uncle from the airport. And I was like, Grandma, it's like it's going to be like 1130 at night. Again, not to rub this in your face, but you're too old. Yeah. You'll be, you'll, you'll, you can't. Yeah. And then she was like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, all right, well, if you, if you want to do it, you have to at least do this. And I ran towards the living room. I did a summer, like a diving somersault. Turned that into like a couple burpees and like some jumping jacks. Like you're in a Jackie Chan movie. Like I'm in shape. Yeah. And then um, earned the right to do it, to go to the airport that night. And then I went on a bike ride that was like seven miles. I went to go get a six pack of beer from the store, St. Archer IPA. That was seven miles away? It was three and a half miles away. That's so far. Well, not really. Did I mean, they, they not live have in like the suburbs, so you just got to like go to, you know. Do they not have convenience stores? It's, dude, it, Southern California is a different beast. Like they're, they're like in this big suburb, there's like tons of houses and you have to like get out of there. Yeah, but somebody should put a store in there. I mean, it's three miles away. It's like a two minute drive, but it's like a 
30 minute bike ride. Yeah. Anyways, I get back and I get off the bike and immediately feel like a pinch in my back. And I'm like, this is a new experience. I'm 27. I never felt this in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, it'll be fine. I'm limping that whole night. And then in the morning, I'm like, oh, this will be great. I'm going to sit up out limping. of limping. I'm like, like kind of like shuffle stepping. Like, okay. Like just try to avoid the pinch in my back. Like a zombie. Sure. Um, anyways, wake up the next morning. It is absolutely not better. It's so much worse. And that was uh, nine days ago. And as you see, I'm wearing a back brace. I've seen a chiropractor once. I've taken, um, not all at once, but an exorbitant amount of painkillers trying to find the right combination for me. And I worked a crazy weekend. I had three gigs in two days. That weekend I got back after flying, I got maybe eight hours of sleep before I had to take off on the road again. So it's been kind of a rough ride. All that said, I'm going to flip that to make it a hot. I still play music for a living. I have people around me that give me back massages, give me back braces. I spend a lot of time with my dad. Uh, and I'll be fine. It's all fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It'll be fine. We're nihilists, Lebowski. Yeah. Speaking of nihilists, uh, there's a really strong case for a lot of zombie movies. I don't think I had a bothered... Speaking of nihilist, why don't you tell me if you had a bothered? Nothing. If you don't have a bothered, the fact that you just said that, you interrupted my perfect transition to say you don't have one, is going to drive me crazy. You fucking come up with a bothered right now. <laughs> no, I actually did, but you didn't give me the chance. What's your bothered? Uh, yeah, I was scrolling through Instagram today, and one of my favorite human beings in the whole world. I'm going to guess. Go ahead and describe what it was, and I'll guess who the person was. A guitar pedal board. Somebody from, from uh, Red Fang. Nope. Ah, somebody from a band. Yep. Well, duh. We've talked about no, today. Somebody oh, else solo with a, pedal a solo artist. Uh, is it somebody we talked about? No. Uh, all right. Because the one I think of you, I think Red Fang, Mastodon, Coheed. Uh, Matt Pike from Sleep and High on Fire. The Cat, another band. Uh, both great bands. Um, you had his whole pedal board stolen from an airport. Probably a huge pedal board, too. Yeah, so many pedals. And they're trying to find them everywhere and like they put out things on their social media that and sucks yeah like like if you see these at pawn stores please report them because if you see these six pedals together they're fucking stolen right which sucks because yeah the dude's got a dope pedal board so and if you don't listen to sleep or high on fire you should well depending on the kind of music you like i would assume right what kind of music is it uh Sleep is super like down tempo stoner doom metal. Yeah, that's just like groovy. You could put it on and bang your head like once every thirty seconds, to forty five yeah. seconds. See, I'm out. Ten seconds. I don't know. That's yeah, fast. no. That's, that's like, quick. Don't <laughs> just the fucking noise. Oh, it's so good. No, I'm out for that. I'll give you one of their vinyls, their newest vinyl, and right. you'll like it. You yeah. liked. Uh, I did not listen. No, you liked Electric Wizard. You I liked didn't... Electric Wizard. I liked Electric Wizard insofar as I enjoyed the fact that you gave me a record that you really love that was not unbearable. If I had if I had found that I'm on Spotify, I'm glad the bar is so high. I mean, I don't like I don't like uh, like death metal or like super deep. I don't like it. It's not it's not my thing. I like things that are in the realm of physical possibilities with a normal guitar and mellow. I like stuff that's like this is good. You would like sleep. I'll listen to it again. Bonus content reference here i'll try it i'll try it once try it that's fine i'll strap you down to a chair and make you listen to sleep boy deal yeah uh high on fire is a bit more super influenced by motorhead they're very like a little bit more up tempo very red fangy very like okay garage metal rocky groove hook driven sure it's good stuff all right so anyways that bummed me out for future reference i just kind of assume you talk about you're hot and bothered at the same time. And if you pass it off to me and you haven't talked about bothered, I assume you don't have one. No, man. It can be all hot and then all bothered after. 
Like, well, let's establish that off air or on air. <laughs> let's just like get that <laughs> down. That shit out now, no, man. No. My transition was so good. It was, and I apologize. It's fine. I, I just I thought we would go hot, hot, bother, bother. Well, yeah, it makes total sense now that we say it. Now yeah, that we both know. I guess we just have to say it out loud. That's like so. the key to any relationship. Uh, uh, just, yeah, of course it is. You know, is communication and safe words. So in that sense, are you done with hot and bothered? I am. Has anything bothered you? Wait, besides your back? My God. No, I'm good. That's it. <laughs> um, so what I want to say then to try to salvage this transition, if you don't know what nihilism is, it's basically the philosophical understanding that nothing at all matters. Uh, and I was quoting the Big Lebowski. Correct. We're living on this earth for no good reason. It's all happenstance and it literally doesn't matter at all. And that is kind of the outlook of a lot of zombie movies. And I'm pretty much in that camp. Sure. Okay. I'm I'm an endorser of a lot of the views of nihilism. I am not, though. In my worst moments, I can see how that's appealing. Eh, I think the the beliefs really come out in your just average moments. Well, I think the problem with that is it kind of by by definition you have to not care about other people, and I don't not care, and neither do you. I would argue based on the thing you've talked about in the past twenty minutes. Yeah. To be truly like, nihilistic is somebody needs a home from a fire. No, you don't give it to them. It doesn't matter. You don't, they don't, they can die for all you care. Yeah. It's a, it's a very extreme nihilistic view, but still yeah. it's true. It's pure. I guess in like the, the more general sense of just like life doesn't matter that much. Like then you, you break that down to the micro and it does become sure a little bit yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. You have to really be <laughs> shitty to, yeah. To really like, think that. Yeah. Cause I still believe like somebody asks you sure. for help, you should help. Yeah. Them. You're not a nihilist at all. Even a little, I don't think. A little. Give me an example of one you've you think it could stand up to really not caring. Uh, I tried to talk my buddy out of having kids, and he already has three. Well, why why did you try to talk him out of it? Because they don't matter. He so like, why does it matter if he has them? Well, because he thought that um, he should have kids to like prolong his name. That's a dumbass reason. Yeah, that, but that's a different issue. Yeah, it was a weird conversation. It was at like four in the morning. Somebody's going to be listening. It was like, that was my reason. We were for sure sober when that happened. Yeah. But like the fact that you would bother to waste your energy talking him out of it is already argument enough that you're not a nihilist. Like your, your opinion matters to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. You know what's fucked up is in the big Lebowski, the nihilists were like after something. You mean like as a goal? Yeah. Like they were chasing something. Well, remember in the big Lebowski, they were after Lebowski to get the money. Oh, well, so, so like the, the flip side of nihilism is like, I just realized how ironic that is. It's not necessarily. The nihilists were goal driven. Well, because, because on one hand, like extreme nihilism could be nothing matters. Therefore I should not take care of myself. The other side is like nothing matters. Therefore I should exploit anyone I can to do everything I can to make my life better. Mm. So that, that checks out with me. Okay. Yeah. That it's makes like, sense. fuck everybody. I'm doing what's best for number one. Yeah. And that could be construed as nihilism. I think maybe I'm more agnostic. That's different. That's know. a God thing. Yeah. Well, when it comes to like life and. Oh, sure. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know what I am. A lot of thoughts out there in the world. It's crazy. You got to find the thing that works. I guess. Um, well, did. Uh, my second transition fail. Did the dead sh- don't die work? <laughs> third. All right. Fuck it. That's great. Know. Did the dead don't die work? No, not really. But no. it worked enough for me. And that's why it was a six for me and a 1.2 for you. I really didn't like Jesus, it. Jesus, that's a low score. Well, it was a low movie. Yeah. So you hadn't, just to recap, you didn't like watching it. You didn't like the message. You didn't like the acting or the dialogue or the cinematography. None I liked, of it. I liked it when it was over. You didn't even like the the Sturgill Simpson song. Or is that the point too? That's the point too. All right. I thought it was fine. <laughs> 
look, I said this after the after the screening. It's a different movie. It's not a cookie cutter Marvel movie. Yeah. Which again, like I'm I'm into those, but but no movies are Marvel movies besides Marvel movies. Sure, but, yeah, but it's, it's it's not a predictable movie. Yeah. And I, I think like it was just nice to be refreshed by something that I couldn't call out what was happening. Were you refreshingly bored? No, I enjoy again. I've enjoyed yeah. it. I just afterwards was like that was fine. I yeah. wouldn't watch it again, but I had a fine time watching it, which is good enough for a six. I don't know if that's good enough though. Yeah. But I mean, that's why reviews are subjective. But for me, it's like, dude, halfway through the movie, if I'm like, just completely not there, like it's just lost me. Like I'm gone. I like, and I'm paying attention because I'm watching it critically, but like the more I see, the more I'm disliking it. I would argue that to watch a movie truly critically, you can't check out halfway through. Even if you think it's terrible, you have to shut off that part of your brain that says, this is a terrible movie. You can't make that call till the very end, I think. Well, you know, like I was not focused on the terribleness because I was like, I kept hoping it would impress me. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like I remember going in, I'm like, well, the second act really sucked. Hopefully the third act ties it all together. Nope, didn't do that. Okay, what's wrong with this movie? Like, why didn't this Well, work? yeah, I think that's different than saying by the second act, I didn't care. It's not that I didn't care. I was checked out as far as enjoying it. And that's when like the critical thinking took over. Like, what is this movie trying to say? And I got the, the not so veiled uh, comparisons to, uh, you know, iPhones and Xanax, you know, like coffee. It it was really on the nose. It wasn't hard to figure out the symbolism, but the fact that it was so on the nose made it just almost unbearable. Well, I would say like like Shaun of the Dead is pretty on the nose too, except what Shaun of the Dead does well is bring in those like human level elements. Like it's still about him and uh, 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 Liz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like it's still about that, like their relationship and him with uh, Nick Frost, Ed. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's, it comes down to relationships. Yeah. And if you're framing a comedy horror movie with zombies, it has to be about relationships or it has to be about, or at least pretend to be about that, but be about zombies, and which is like the walking dead kind of, except they, they kind of end up being more relationship based, but still like the zombie kills were not satisfying to me. Yeah. The person to person interactions were not satisfying. The jokes thinking about them afterwards are not satisfying. Even the jokes that were repeated lost. Like the second time they said, was it an animal? Was it multiple animals? I'm done. Give me that once and then move on. Yeah. You, you can be better than that. So I have, I have a question upon hearing that. What made watching this the first time enjoyable? Again, I think it's the unpredictability of it. Like, again, well. Was it, now I have a question. Yeah. Was it the unpredictability or was it your expectation of unpredictability? Because this movie became pretty. No. I mean, maybe maybe that was my bad, too. I went in kind of thinking it would be predictable. I was thinking this would be a, a pretty straightforward zombie movie with actors who I enjoyed. Mm. And it turns out it is not that. It it's, was a different thing. It's a, it's an, it's a spoon-fed political wokeness but it's not even like it doesn't even take that seriously. Yeah. So it's just a weird zombie movie with actors that I do enjoy doing pretty good performances some of the time for a couple of them. Uh that has a weird twist with aliens that doesn't matter at all. It wasn't even a twist. It wasn't a twist. It was like here's a UFO, Tilda Swinton is not Scottish, she is foreign from another planet. But still I was like I didn't see that coming. And not that that should be praised in its own right just for like if a dinosaur walked through i would be like oh cool twist like or maybe i would have actually at this point like the movie was so weird um dude yeah i just had a thought go if this were real wouldn't there be dinosaur zombie skeletons 
Um, All the dead came back to life. No, I think it's a brain function thing, particularly in the context of this. Like people, people that makes sense. Come back to like get the things that what they wanted. If it wasn't, in and then the dinosaur zombies came back. No one's fucking done that. So would that be better for you? Would you like to see a zombie dinosaur movie? I think it undercuts everything that it means to be a zombie, personally. Yeah, no, that's that's true because it's the whole the brain. But then, like, the dead rise. Like, it's what's w- what's the movie where somebody has power to raise the dead? Is it the Mummy? Like, m- movie that's like hap- that? that that happened in the Mummy. Sure, yeah. I think I'm thinking of a different one. It happened in Game of Thrones. Okay, that's I was thinking of this. Yeah, that's Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Um, like, so he like brings up like bears or a dragon. Yeah. Like if, if, if there were a zombie movie where there were a zombie leader that were like dinosaurs, a archeologically speaking, not possible. They have decomposed too I would, much. I would like to posit the theory though, that some of the zombies you see in these movies are not, but skin and bones would not the brain have decomposed to a point of not functioning. And yet those things were still raised. There's been some zombies and shit that are like, those are barely still people. So if it's about brain function, would those zombies not, why wouldn't they, they would, should not be risen is well, what I would say. Okay. So I would go twofold here. One, I don't think that the brain function or the ability to hold on to what you were as a human, um, is a factor in whether or not you get raised from the dead. So is it just a brain presence? Like, is there still a brain in there? What makes a zombie a zombie? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, in the context of this film, they were all recently dead. Yeah. Sure. But in other zombie movies, well, in other zombie movies, they're not seeking out the things that they loved when they were alive. Right. right? Like The Walking Dead's the easiest example for me. Yeah. They're just trying to eat more brains. Mm-hmm. Um, you see and, some in there, though, that are like super decomposed. Sure. But I would also make the case that regardless of any zombie movie since, since 68, the brain is intact. And that's why killing their brain kills them. I mean, that makes sense. Like, I, I think that if a brain is not intact, zombie is, they will not rise from the dead. But it does beg the question of, like, zombie animals, uh, a la Pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. And I would, I mean, I'd go see a movie with zombie T-Rexes. I don't give a fuck. Let's watch that movie. It'd be kind of cool, yeah. right? I'll watch it. But but don't make the T-Rex pick up a, an iPhone no. and say With his Facebook. tiny little arms? Yeah, it's just right here. I'm like, treating. <laughs> make, make it a movie about a T-Rex zombie demolishing a city all right so check it stick out stick to that so what if some new strain of like zombie virus attacks the dna isn't that what the regular zombie thing does if that's the case then dna is in our bones just as it is in our organs so okay. then by that logic skeletons should be able to rise and exist i don't disagree i think so i think that's not wrong so if we're talking about uh, a zombie universe in which the mm. virus attacks the dna wait wait but then where do where does the where does the motor function come from yeah. i still think it has to come from the brain i think a nervous system is important there but then there has to literally be the pieces that hold the body together well how do you justify a skeleton animating that that would be the thing what i can't justify is like you see a decomposed human with like the skin gone around the wrist with the hand still moving yeah nerves are gone at that point yeah so I, I don't, but I don't know that when I have seen that before. Wait, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. The, uh, that hand in the yeah. drawer, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Though those are ghosts, not zombies. I think there's a, probably a There's a difference thing there, there for sure. But I'm going to figure this shit out because I want dinosaur zombies. Like there has to be a way, a way to make this work. What if the bones like require blood 
and they can somehow well, there's- like generate flesh from like that was kind of the principle of the first Hellraiser movie. I haven't seen it. It all. Oh, I won't watch that movie. <sighs> that could do with the Pinhead fella. He he kind of, he scares me a lot. So 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 I'm not watching that. But that's just me. Tell me about it though. What's the concept of it? Needs blood to reanimate. All right. So kind of same idea. Starts out and then they like skin like as bones. I think I'd have to rewatch it. But very rudimentary. Not much to him. Pinhead. Okay. And sure. then uh, a guy like really graphic scene catches his the back of his hand on a nail and it just rips the back of his shit. hand in that half. That bothers me. Uh, and the blood soaks through the floorboard, starts dripping on the rain, remains or whatever. And that's how he comes back. Yeah. So you could kind of like integrate that type of theory that like the bones are reanimated and they need blood to like source DNA and they can like somehow make flesh from that and then become whole. Not because there was yeah. this like process where sure. like it was like 25% humanoid, but still just like muscles exposed and shit. Yeah. I Not that that wouldn't be entertaining. I just think it's inconsistent with the mythology of the past 50 years of zombies. Oh uh, yeah. Like that's not, that's not a zombie rule, but where else are zombie movies going to go? They're not going to go anywhere. They have to fall back on the humanity port parts of it. Yeah, they do. But I think there's, you could go different, ways with it like you could go back to the humanity of it and like you're saying you could also just innovate and have like a, a fucking jurassic world 3 yeah the but, undead rise but like we've also seen the like the great example is the modern incarnations of jurassic world like they also ditch the humanity stuff like jurassic park was all about like kind of animal rights and like how we should be treating these animals. That's a fascinating discussion. And about like personal relationships. Co- totally. And then Jurassic World's like, look at these big dinosaurs. Let's have a bigger dinosaur fight a bigger one. Then that one gets eaten and a bigger one that chases people with fucking lasers for some reason. Yeah. Who the fuck would have thought that like Jurassic Park would be a good allegory for a good zombie movie? Everybody that made Jurassic Park. Because it's that's the thing. It's It's not a movie about zombies. It's a movie about people that have zombies as a catalyst for human nature. Mm. It's a brilliant idea. It's the same as Westworld. Well, that's a, that's a case of the the plot driving the actors and not the actors driving the plot, right? Uh, I think you switched those. Did I say that wrong? But yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. Say what I mean in the right way. Yeah, it's it's the actor's behavior pushing the plot forward. Like, like if, if I were to throw a rock at my guitar on the wall, the guitar would fall. But if the guitar fell out, of, which it should never fall, because I put that in the wall. And then I would stand up and be like, oh, my God, my guitar fell. Let's go outside. And then I got eaten by a dinosaur. That's lazy writing. But if I threw a rock, the guitar fell. Then I was like, let's get out of here. Then we're outside. Makes total sense. That's what happens. That's cause and effect. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Just effective writing. It's a stupid metaphor that I used. Yeah, I, I'm more confused than yeah. before. <laughs> I'm just saying our, our actions cause reactions. And I feel- reactions don't cause us, to, well, actions cause us to react, but reactions can't come before actions. You have to, something has to initiate it. Yeah, I think it's it's a plot moving forward accurate, like, well, you know. But like, also, yeah. like, I feel like there's some unresolved anger you have towards that guitar. Yeah. And I feel like maybe you need to talk about it. But like Jurassic world or the second one, I can't remember, but like, see how quickly you change the subject. I don't, I don't like that guitar. That one's fine. Which one do you want to throw a rock at? That one. That's interesting. Tell um, me more. Listen, <laughs> Jurassic world. Which one, which one does the Island explode on? Uh, the second, all of them. Yeah. Whatever. No, the, the second, they do the jump third. They do the car jump fourth and fifth. I think sure. there's all explosions on there. Whatever. Island. There's one with Chris Pratt. 
and the island is going to explode and they have to leave. They have to get on a boat. So oh, they jump the their Humvee. One. Yeah. Okay. That's a great example of like you, they know that they want to blow up the island. They know that they want to have the dinosaurs carted off to what turns out to be Northern California. And then they're like, oh shit, we forgot to remember that there are people on this island. What can we do? Oh, let's just have them jump a Hummer 12 feet. And then all of us in the audience are like, that's not possible. Why not? Why not write the story so that the people are already on the boat or the island doesn't explode or any number of things that would rationally make sense? Or they swam for it. Sure. That's the plot driving characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's think, better than my rock guitar. I guess. Analogy. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. But we're still going to talk about why you're angry at the guitar. It's fine. You can play it and you'll know. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Fair enough. Why do you still have it? It's my first guitar. I'm going to fix it. It'll be fine. Got to fix the action. Got to figure out how to adjust mm-hmm. a truss rod. It needs a lot of stuff. It needs way more than that. You adjust the old truss rod. What else do you want to talk about, man? Um, I think I'm good on the movie, uh, unless there's more you wanted to discuss. I am good on the movie also. So for me, it's a don't watch. Didn't like it. I will revisit it. I, I'm definitely going to, when it comes out, I'm, I'm not eliminating this movie as potentially good. I'm going to rent it. It's watch it in my viewing room with headphones and... Like, hyper-focus on it. I'm going to give it another chance. But as of right now, I abhor this film, and I don't think anyone should watch it. Weirdly enough, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, I am never going to watch this again. I am writing it off as a bad movie. I don't think you should watch it necessarily. Uh, But if it comes on Netflix, watch it once because it will surprise you. Maybe. Actually not, probably after The Danger Zone, which makes me think of something we did last week and probably a bunch of times before. We will talk about a movie in the second segment be like this is a good movie to avoid trailers for like don't watch trailers it'll spoil it but like seven minutes before we have played the trailer and we did it with shaft and i was like i listened back to it when i was editing it's oh like, shit i was like man we're just like literally said that you shouldn't listen to the trailer by the way here was the trailer dude um, that's a really good point i know i never thought about that before i heard myself say don't huh. watch the trailer well, we should uh, listen to the trailers and reevaluate. Yeah. I mean, like this movie is is probably because it's all they give away in the trailer is like zombies. Yeah. So it's fine. But there are times. some where like the trailer ruins shit. So maybe we'll uh, just play under 60 seconds of the theme song. Yeah. Well, I think the Shaft episode, we were, we both said like, man, if I hadn't have known that the original Shaft was in it. And then he's in the and trailer. Then, like, he's in the trailer. And we're like, yeah, yeah this felt, felt uh, real huh. lame. All right. Well, we're. Getting better before your very ears. Uh, speaking of Shaft, though, I wanted to shout out one one listener email we got from from friend of the show, Nick Land, also a Patreon person. So what up? Also way cooler than everyone that's not in Patreon. What? Sure. And so, so Nick says, this is uh, episode 129 he was commenting on. He said, I was just driving down to Sacramento and listened to the Shaft episode. I just wanted to put in my two cents about an issue that came up. Max, for as many times as you have made Johnny drink beers with lactose in them, you absolutely have to try and rate oyster stouts. It's a must. You probably owe him like five different ones. Just saying. I'm going to respond to that now. Can I go ahead and say that I love that email? I love that email as well, but I'm going to go ahead and fight it because you enjoy milk stouts. Sure. You just, you like how they taste. Your body can't handle it. Oh, I miss cheese like no other. Totally. I would argue that my body, my body could handle an oyster stout. I hate how it tastes. Like I'm not fantasizing, wishing I could drink oyster styles left and right. Whereas, like I bring it, I bring a milk stout, and you're like, oh man, I wish I could drink that, and you can't. So on one hand, uh, I am pleasuring you. You just depending on your pills, which hand you can't have them, and you would be 
I'd be putting myself through torture. So Nick, I will say no. I will drink the one oyster stout that I agreed to drink. I said I'll try it. But other than that, I am out because they're probably unless they're good. But if they're gross, I'm out. That's where I'm at. What if an oyster milk stout made from oyster Ugh. milk? <laughs> oh God, that made everyone nauseous. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Good God. Uh, no, turnabouts is fair play, and I I understand your argument. Uh, what if I went full pours on milk stouts going forward? It's not an equal thing. Like I, well, I understand that sick. you can't have. Yeah, like I'm not trying to make you <laughs> sick. Like I want you to have a good time. Yeah. Well, I'm having a good time. Like, but again, like you'd enjoy it at least. I would get sick drinking it, and then probably get sick after. To be fair. Uh, I think a lot of my enjoyment is diminished because I know that they will have adverse effects. So I cannot fully enjoy milk stouts to the extent at which they are meant to be enjoyed. But you have those pills that you can take. And if I you take do. them, you'll know that it doesn't affect you. I always forget them. I should just leave some in the studio. You, yeah, right there. I'm just going to. Good spot for it. Okay. I just realized I never turned your screen on today. That's fine. I, I don't use it. Yeah. I'd rather stare into your eyes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Seven years bad sex if you don't. Oh, Yes. All right, um, guys. So thanks, Nick. That was really nice of you. Yeah. And if you kind have of. an opinion or a hot take about how Max is wrong, I would definitely love to hear it. Those are my favorite emails. <laughs> yeah, sure. We get them more than you'd like to admit. Yeah, that's true. But you can send one to fhccast at gmail.com. You can write to us on our website at freshhopcinema.com. You can also see what movies we're covering in weeks to come. You can find old beer and movie reviews as well as other stuff. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Uh and you can keep up with us on beer, not beer advocate, untapped. Look yep. at me go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and letterboxed for beer and movie reviews, respectively. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're covering a movie that a lot of you haven't heard of. So I would suggest you go out and see yesterday. It's a tantalizing story. It's titillating. Titillating. Uh, and we're going to drink some beers to commemorate the 4th of July Independence Day here in good old America. America. Fuck uh, yeah. Until then, that's Johnny Summers. And that's Mixed Minority. Together. You gotta do that again, <laughs> Max. I was. That's Jeannie Shimmers. That's <laughs> Max Minardi. Why are we Canadian? All that's fine. We'll see you know. next week, Max. Johnny, out. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Bailey Minardi. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.